morning. Man, when uh, Kathy was describing all the different kinds of uh, goodies, I was getting excited. I don't know if you felt the passion in that, in that uh, but it was awesome. Uh, well, welcome. Good to see you all this morning, just uh, as we're... Um, I was noticing that recently the, the parking lot's beginning to fill out front again, which is a fantastic feeling since COVID and the pandemic, it, it, uh, it stopped. But I want to remind you that if you show up and the parking lot side looks full, that there's rear parking as well. So just go around, keep turning right, and you'll find uh, the Bacon Ave Road and uh, plenty of parking back there as well. So don't feel like, oh no, there's no place for me. Uh, there's plenty of Plenty of parking back there. So fantastic. Uh, if you're wondering, just so I don't have to tell everybody afterwards and they ask why Lori's not here, she's, she's doing the grandma thing. She's visiting grandkids in Connecticut. So um, she is pleased and happy. And I jokingly told people during the week that she was, she was going to check out another church, which is true. She's going to church with them this morning. But, um, but she's, she's in Connecticut. She'll be back tonight. So... Hey, we're in a series talking about Jesus, Um, and uh, when we look at the life of Jesus, uh, what were his prominent activities? I think when you look at the life of Jesus, he did a lot of things, um, but what did he do the most? I think we can kind of uh, narrow this down to three things uh, as far as predominant. Uh, He teaches. I mean, we see him teaching the disciples. We see him teaching the crowds. We see him type, teaching the religious. We see him type, uh, teaching the foreigners. We see him teaching in synagogues. We see him at the temple. We see him teaching outdoors. We see him teaching in homes. It sounds like a Dr. Seuss analogy. What else does Jesus do? Jesus did miracles, right? Uh, some of the miracles are, are, are things like he turned water into wine. He walked on water. Um, he calmed the storm. He fed thousands a couple of different times. Things like th- these kinds of miracles. But also in those miracles were healings. He healed the sick. He healed the diseased. He healed the lame. He healed the possessed. Um, he raised the dead. So we see that Jesus taught. He did miracles. And then, of course, Uh, What he's most famous for for us and for our faith is that he died on the cross, rose from the dead, and ascended to heaven. So I think when you read through the Gospels of Jesus, you see these three predominant activities uh, of his, while he was here on earth. Now, he died and rose again and ascended. That was a one-time event at the end of his earthly life. Um, So the majority of his ministry, as you read through the scriptures revolves around and was characterized by him teaching or him doing miracles, uh, with a few other things kind of maybe peppered in. Um, And the vast majority of his miracles were healings. And when you look through, you start just flip through your Bible fast, don't read every word, and you say, what did Jesus do in these 20 verses? What did he do in these 20 verses? And you start just jotting down. I did this week, I did hash marks. You know, do one, two, three, four, slash five, groups of five. And just started realizing, wow, Jesus healed a lot of people. He healed a lot of people. Excuse me. This makes sense because Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Jesus came to the earth what the... Uh, In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 through 5, Isaiah records this. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We read that now and we go, oh, it's Jesus. But remember, Isaiah wrote this about the Lord 700 years before Jesus came. 700-ish for those who are, you know, OCD. We also see uh, some prophetic pointings towards Jesus in Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 2. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. Uh, let's see if that goes on. Yeah, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Uh, it continues to go on, but I just wanted to stop there. So Isaiah says basically the activities of the Messiah, of the Savior, of the Lord are going to be to preach good news and bring healing. Right? And then in Luke chapter 4, in verse 16 through 21, Jesus quotes the prophet Isaiah and refers to himself. We're going to read it. It says, He went to Nazareth, talking about Jesus, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. This is remarkable in itself. This isn't in my sermon, so to speak, today. But remember, Jesus went to the synagogue, and they handed him the scroll of Isaiah. And back in those periods of time, um, what would happen uh, at the synagogue on the Sabbath is the scroll would be read, and wherever they finished reading, it would be marked, and then the next week it would be picked up where they left off. So it wasn't like Jesus grabbed his scriptures and said, I'm going to teach you something specific today. Boom. He sat down. They handed him the scroll. He opened up the scroll of Isaiah. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. Basically, he opened it up to where they left off, and it said this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So he basically read in the synagogue the same thing we read earlier. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your, in your hearing. So basically, Jesus is saying he is the fulfillment of those verses. It is he who has come to preach the good news. It is he who has come to heal. It is he who has come to release. Can you imagine? I, I got to imagine there was some like talking in the, in the congregation members uh, because basically Jesus was saying, uh, hey, I'm, I'm the man. I'm the guy. That would be like me book, open up the book of Revelations and saying, he's going to return and, uh, and I'm, that's fulfilled. Right? You all would be like, who's this guy think he is? Right? So I got to believe there was some of that going on in the background, but Jesus said he is the fulfillment of the prophet Isaiah. And so this morning, I want to focus on an aspect of this, talk to you this morning about Jesus the healer. Uh, Jesus the healer. Let's pause for a minute, though, before we just jump into to Jesus. And, and what does the word heal mean? It's simply this to become sound or healthy again. Right? To become sound or healthy again. And when we use the term uh, heal, it carries some unspoken assumptions. Right? What would those be? It carries the assumption that there's a standard by which we're gauging this. Right? Like... Um, if, if uh, I've gotten cancer, uh, the standard is no cancer in my body. But as long as there's cancer in my body, uh, I need healing. I need the cancer removed, right? If, if my arm or my leg or any other bone is broken, the standard is that bone is not supposed to be broken. And so when it becomes unbroken and healed, it's healed when it becomes one piece again. There's a standard of healing. It's an unspoken, if I need healing, there's a standard of some sort in my health that I'm now below, below that. The second assumption we use the term heal is, 
I just said someone or something has fallen beneath that standard of healing, of what that standard is. Third assumption is that there has been or needs to be activity to restore that person or thing back to the standard. Right? This make, this, we're on the same page. We understand that these are just some... Un, if, I need, if I say, hey, pray for my healing, instantly, you know that somewhere in my life I'm less than I need to be, uh, that I'm not above that standard, I'm beneath that standard, and that there's some sort of uh, process, activity that needs to occur so that I can come back to that standard. So when we're talking about healing, uh, there are those assumptions. Nobody asks for healing if they're at the required or uh, set standard. So my question then, then is who or what sets the standard? Who or what sets the standard for what is healthy or what is sound? Right? Um, and we're going to look at Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So we believe that God created everything that we see and the things that we see, that the entire universe, and, and, and not just the visible, tangible things, but uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago, the systems in creation, the nature of things, the order of things, that God created all of these things. And so we ask the question, who sets the standard? Well, God sets the standard. What standards does God set? Well, verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So what standards does God set? All of them. All of them. He sets the spiritual standard. He sets relational standards. He sets physical standards. He sets emotional standards. He sets natural systems and the standards of those. He sets every standard. If he's the creator of everything, he is the standard setter of everything because he created it a certain way and therefore that is the standard for which he created. Whether that be you or me or, or the animal kingdom out there or the, the system of planets rotating, God sets the standard. If he's the creator, he's the standard setter. And what we know is that when Adam and Eve sinned, mankind fell short of God's standard. Right? That's what Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, mankind has fallen short of God's standard. Now, we, just, we read it when Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and that by his wounds we are healed. When Isaiah says this, by his wounds we are healed, what healing is Jesus bringing? What healing is Jesus bringing to us? We love, uh, in Christendom, we have adopted that as physical healing. That by 
God's, by God's stripes, I am healed. I can stand on my physical healing because God would have me be physically healed. And I'm going to say yes, partially. Yes, partially. What standards is God healing? What standards is God uh, calling back up to where he set, where he's reconciling or he's restoring a standard? What, is, what did Jesus' work come to do that by his stripes, by his sacrifice, did he restore and heal? Well, spiritual standard. A relational standard. A, a physical standard. An emotional standard. Even a natural system in our earth standard. He's come to restore that and heal land. You say, I don't know if Jesus died for the earth, Pastor Steve. Well, I'm going to show you a few verses. Colossians 1, uh, we are there, verse 18 through 20. He is the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So Colossians says, it pleased him to reconcile all things. And then in Romans chapter 8, verses 19, for the creation awaits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. The whole creation has been groaning and is waiting for the time that it will be healed and liberated from by someone else's will subjected it to decay and destruction and disorder. And when it says the whole creation, he's not just talking about the seventh day of creation, or the sixth day of creation. The whole creation. Jesus wants to restore to us his standard of spirituality, which is our relationship with God. He wants to restore his standard of relationships, whether that be marriage, family, community, people, how people uh, relate to each other. He wants to restore his standard of physical health. He wants to restore his standard of emotional health, how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about the people around us, how we feel about our in the world, how we feel about things. He wants to restore his standard in the natural world. So when he says, by his wounds we are healed, it's talking about our physical healing, but a lot of other healing as well. A spiritual healing. A relational healing. Now, one day, all of these things will be healed will be righted, will be restored to God's standard. We read about that in the book of Revelation, that there's going to be a day of reckoning where Jesus comes back and he's done. That everything that has to do with decay, everything that has to do with evil, everything that has to do with less than will be removed and destroyed and everything will be uh, restored, reconciled back to God's standard for life. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more suffering. The, the, you can read the book of Revelation. So we know that that day is going to happen some point in the future. 
So God's promises are true. Jesus came, and it's by his, his sacrifice and his coming and him shedding his blood uh, that through him, all of those things are now able to be healed and restored. It's awfully quiet. So when we look at Jesus' life, who did Jesus heal? Who did Jesus heal? Well, Jesus healed men. Jesus healed women. Jesus healed children. Jesus also healed the rich. He also healed the beggar. He also healed the servant, the prominent, and the obscure. He healed his fellow countrymen. He healed the foreigner. He healed the religious and the non-religious. What does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus basically healed every single category of people that was walking in the, in the area that he was operating in? It means that with confidence, we can say that Jesus is my source of healing. Everyone in this room can say, Jesus is my source. I, you, none of us fall into a category where you can say, you know what, Jesus just didn't care for people like me. People doesn't, Jesus doesn't want people like me. People, Jesus rejected people like me. There's no biblical proof for that. That's a lie of the devil playing on your emotions. Jesus is your healer. He is your healer. He's mine too. You can look in the mirror and say, Jesus came for me. Jesus came for me. So how did Jesus heal? Well, before we jump into how does Jesus heal, I want to um, talk about the elephant in the room. And that's that we all have experiences where Jesus didn't heal everybody. In Scripture, Jesus didn't heal everybody. You ever wonder how when uh, James and John were walking by the gate beautiful, there was a blind beggar who'd been there for 30 years? Jesus, Jesus walked through that gate lots of times. And if that guy had been there for 30 years, Jesus walked right by him all those times. And so, if we're talking about Jesus as our healer, well, we all have experiences, and maybe you're here today, and you, you need healing, and Jesus hasn't healed you. And part of why I'm laying this out the way it is is so that we have a broader understanding of what it means for Jesus to heal and the work that he came to do. His promise of healing... Uh, will be fulfilled at some point. So his, it may not happen in our timeline, and it might not even happen during your earthly stint uh, here. It might happen in eternity. But we are eternal beings. And so his promise of physical healing for you will will happen, or emotional, or mental, but here's what I want to say, that there's a priority in Jesus' healing. And that's this. Your relationship with him, with God, is his primary uh, focus of your healing. Your spiritual healing is Jesus' primary focus. And you say, well, why is that the case? Because if your relationship with God is not restored, uh, your eternity um, is non-existent. Does that make sense? So, here's the reality of that. What, is that. what does that mean? That if Jesus knows that him healing you uh, physically will mean that you are comfortable and walk away from him, he'll withhold your physical healing knowing because your spiritual healing is way more important than your physical healing. 
that your financial healing, the standard with which we should be operating to, and maybe the craziness of your life, God's like, hey, um, I'm not going to move there because I know you. And I know if I gave you prosperity, you would leave me. And you spending eternity with me is way more important than you having cash in the bank. So therefore, I'm not going to answer that prayer. God has a priority to our healing. Because above all and above everything, he desires that you will be with him for an eternity. And, and, and like a good parent, like a good uh, anybody, he will, he will allow you to carry some weight of things or experience some uncomfortability or be challenged or be broken or realize any of these kinds of things if it means you'll spend an eternity with him. Because as soon as you enter eternity with him, all the other stuff gets healed anyway. You experience all the healing then. And then you live forever in a state of being that you've never experienced before. That's why this world is temporary here. It's also why Paul begged Christ for a healing to take a thorn from his flesh. And he said, no, 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 no. You need that. You need that to keep you humble, to realize that you have a weakness. Because it forces you to lean on me. And so, as we talk about how does God heal, we need to realize that uh, one God is sovereign, like God knows you better than you know yourself. And so when he doesn't answer certain prayers, uh, there might be a good reason for it. There might be, there's, there, there's a reason there's a delay. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care for you. It doesn't mean God doesn't understand your situation. It doesn't mean that God's not for you. It means there's another reason that is unknown to you. That hopefully you cry out like we sang in the song, uh, Lord, I'm, I'm yours. Walk with me, guide me, lead me, mold me, whatever it needs, whatever it needs to happen. That the best place I can be is in your hands. So how do we see Jesus healing? Well, he obviously heals through divine touch. Right? Sometimes we, we pray. Bang! Right? You go to the doctor and you get a report like, it's gone. Like God did this. Or we have an addiction and we cry out to God and he changes our, our desires. We, we have a, an emotional or, or a mental health issue. We pray, we seek God, and all of a sudden, man, things start to, like, just a divine touch, just like you read in Scripture, where Jesus, somebody was blind. Um, you know, God doesn't do the same thing the same way with everybody. Like, one guy he spits on, one guy he puts mud on, one guy he speaks to, like... That's because there's no formula with, with God. We can't narrow God down to a formula and say, if I do this every time, God has to. That's why you see God just heal people all different kinds of ways. So he just divine touch. The second is, sometimes God heals us through our own obedience. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, God has a standard, and he has commands. And when we begin to follow those commands in our life, when we begin to adopt those and say, you know what, I, I have a way that I want to live, but this is the way Jesus says I, sh I should live, and we begin to follow what Jesus says we should do, all of a sudden, something starts to heal within us. So, when Romans 12 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then we read in Colossians uh, and other places what is good, what is lovely, what, think about things that are pure, reject what is evil. When we begin to take that seriously and live that way, all of a sudden we find our mind being restored. And their healing is coming to our thought process. Well, guess what? 
That's because we're aligning ourselves with God's standards by following his commands, and we're, we're feeling the effects and the healings of it. You say, well, do you need a physical example? If you've been smoking all your life, and you stop smoking, guess what? You start to feel better. Your body starts to heal itself, right? That's not a divine touch from Jesus. Right? That's because you're now stopping the destructive habits for your life and you're adopting new, fresh habits and God has built that because you're now moving towards that standard. Now, all of a sudden, you're experiencing healing. That's not divine touch. That's your obedience to aligning yourself with God's standard. The thing is, we, we like to think we're autonomous in the fact we can do anything and we'll just pray and God will clean up the mess. Right? If your marriage is a wreck, you've got to work at it. You've got to align yourself. You've got to, no matter how hard that Jesus says this is what you need to do, you start doing that. You say, this feels wrong. I don't, this goes against me. I, this isn't how... Jesus said it. This is his standard. If I start doing And if both partners, it, it works best because if both partners feel the same way, then it gets better. It's really stinky when one person says, no, I'm not going to do that, and you decide to do that. You get better. Your marriage might not, but you get better. But these are because we decide to act in obedience and follow Christ's teachings, which are meant to lead us to a place of health. So sometimes we experience healing through divine touch, and sometimes we experience it by just being obedient to God's desires and plans and structures for us. We align ourselves with, with what he's taught us. And sometimes, most of the time, that takes a leap of faith. Like, God, I don't, I don't know why I have to love my enemies. I don't know why I got to do good to that person who's like, at work, man, I, they just talk bad about me all the time. I just want to, mm, right? Why can't we live in the Old Testament for like 30 minutes? Right? But there's something about it. Jesus knows that if you'll love your enemies, something might change about your enemy, but something's definitely going to change about you. And a healing is going to come to you. A different way you see the world, a different whatever. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Well, if your body's broken down because you're stressed and you're working too much and you're going crazy, and well, guess what? Jesus says, Come to me. So these are what I mean by acts of obedience can bring us healing. And sometimes God will not give you a divine touch because He wants you to be obedient. It gets real with Jesus. Because Jesus isn't after your personal comfort. Jesus wasn't an American. He's still not an American. He loves Americans, but he's not an American. Nor is he Russian, nor is he European, nor is he... He's above all of that. He has his own kingdom that he's inviting you and I to be a part of. But he's not, your comfort is not his primary uh, objective. Your heart and your relationship restored to him is his primary objective. And if he has to use other things to see that that happens, he will. What else does he use to bring healing? Now, if you thought following his teachings was a stretch, this is going to challenge you. He uses other people to bring your healing. You say, well, what do you mean? Last time I looked, God uh, sent the disciples out and he said, heal the sick, cast out devils. 
right? He said to love your enemies. See, God uses people to help heal other people. You say, well, they can't heal me, but no, no, they can be a part of the process. I know when I pray over somebody by faith, it's not my touch that's healing that person, but it's my obedience to connect them to God that's healing that person. I also know that when somebody is emotionally, uh, uh, in emotional pain, they're, they're less than the emotional standard they need to be. When there's somebody who sits down and just listens to them and shows them some love and some compassion, guess what? It's very healing. I know that when I love my enemy, I do good to people who are misusing me, it messes with their head. And it communicates to them a, 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 a huge question mark. Why is that guy acting this way? This guy should be wanting to fight me. This guy should be taking me to court. Or this guy should be whatever. But I'm giving blessings instead of cursings. I'm bringing healing. In some, I'm participating in the healing of this person. So God heals through divine touch. He heals through our obedience to his commands, and he heals through our, we making ourselves available to be used, to live like Christ, to be his hands, to be his feet, to love like him. And that heals people, just as the opposite harms people. Right? When we're selfish, when we're greedy, right? When, these are destructive things that harm people. But when we're the opposite of that, we actually bring healing. Jesus heals us. He is our source of healing. Because the reality, you say, well, we can understand, Pastor, his source of healing and divine touch, and we can understand he being our source of healing by following his commands, but how can other people be my source of healing if Jesus is my source of healing? You see, well, Jesus is working through people. Those people hopefully are followers of Jesus and are responding like Jesus would respond, so God is using them. It's his principles. It's, his, it's the restoration of his standard, he, regardless of the means he uses. You see, he, he even works through doctors, right? We all, we all have had some sort of surgery or gone to a doctor's appointment and we found a measure of healing. Well, that's an example of Jesus working through a person to bring healing. Now, the world might not acknowledge that. They might say it's their own genius or their own inventions, those kinds of things. Um, but we know differently. Let me wrap this up. What's our, what is our response um, to Jesus' source of healing? <clears throat> First of all, we have to come to the understanding that Jesus... Jesus is the source of our healing. It's not your spouse. It's not your family member. It's not your church. It's not your pastor. It's not some hobby that you, uh, you know, uh, retreat into. It's not some addiction or some self-help book. It's not the internet. Jesus Christ is the source of your healing. And that's where your faith needs to be. That's where your hope needs to be. That, that needs where your plea needs to be. Like, Jesus, I need healing. My mind is a mess. My body's a mess. My relationships are a mess. My whatever is a mess. I'm way short of the standard that I know that you've called and invited me to live. Jesus, would you heal me? You are my source of healing. Whether you touch me in a divine way, whether it's you show me some command or some obedience that I need to follow, whether you bring people into my life that help me and walk alongside me, Jesus, you are my source. And I'm, um, we're, we're pleading with him to be the answer to our, our need. Which is the second piece. Once you recognize that it's Jesus who's your source and not anything else around you, especially, I just got to say this because environment, uh, you are not the source of your own healing. 
You don't heal yourself. You don't. You know what happens if I break my leg and I go home and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to take care of this myself. I might heal in the sense it's not life-threatening anymore, but I'm going to walk with a limp the rest of my life and I'm going to live beneath the standard with which I was created. And that happens to us spiritually. That happens to us emotionally. That happens to us relationally. We suck it up and we're, I can deal with this on my own and we go about like, I don't need nobody. And then all of a sudden, you don't know why you're living with this baggage your whole life. Because God created us to need him and each other. We don't heal alone. It's just a principle. Argue with God if you don't like it. But that he is the source of our healing. And then we, the second step is we invite him into that. We ask him, we seek Jesus. So that last song we sang, Jesus, I know you're my healer. You are all I need. And we invite Jesus Christ into that. We ask him to take up our cause. As our source, he will bring people by. He will reveal to you uh, your lack of obedience somewhere. He will touch you divinely. He will be, he will move. Our third response is that take an active role, meaning be a part of the restoration and healing of others. Position yourself to be a source of healing to people, not a source of pain. And sometimes you have to heal yourself when you recognize you're a source of pain. And you say, Lord, I don't want to be a source of pain. And you might, that might be a revelation to you that you yourself need healing. But position yourself to be a person who encourages, a person who forgives, a person who embraces, right? A person who uh, does 1 Corinthians 13. That you just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to show mercy. I'm going to choose to embrace. I'm going to choose to include. I'm going to choose to listen. I'm going to, right? All of these things position us to be a part of someone else's healing. And I promise you, when you are in a place where you're part of someone else's healing, uh, it's invigorating. When you walk alongside with somebody, which is the hard work, but when you see them start to improve, when you see them start to walk uh, maybe without your assistance, maybe they're starting to have a clear head and they start talking right and thinking and you see them getting closer to God's standards, it's like, like I could do this. Right? I, I love helping people. And, and let me also say this, um, and I know I'm going a little bit long, but the topic of healing, anyway, we're not talking about just believers. We're talking about the people who live, work, and play around you. That we're called to be this for them. Because you carry the Holy Spirit within you. Do you, I mean, I think we forget the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. Right? And that doesn't mean that the Spirit just against your will overtakes you and just does what it wants to do. But you have the, that Spirit living in you that's guiding you, that's, that's directing you, that's empowering you to do the things that you know you can't do in your own strength. Like, be kind to somebody who's being mean to you. Like, the world says that's impossible. It is impossible. Except that the Holy Spirit lives in you and can make it possible as long as you believe. I believe, Holy Spirit, that you can help me face that curmudgeon at work. 
I believe, Holy Spirit, that you can help me restore the relationship with my neighbor who we've been fighting for years. And you just say, Holy Spirit, I believe that you can do this in me. I believe that even in the midst of darkness, wherever I live, whether I go to school, that, that you will preserve me, and that not only will you preserve me, but that I will be a light and I will be salt, and people's lives will be affected because your Holy Spirit lives within me. This is the attitude of the believer of Jesus Christ. Because he's our healer. He's our source. And no one or nothing else is. So I want to take a moment and just... Um, I know, Pastor Sean, will you come just play something? I don't know, but maybe it's a cultural thing, but there's just something about dead silence that makes it really hard. Like, I think that's why David, King David, like hired musicians 24-7 in the temple because it's like God inhabited music, right? It's, it's like... Uh, I'm going to press play on that when we do budgeting for next year. (laughs) I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that every single one of us in this room needs healing in some way, shape, or form. Whether that's physical, whether that's emotional, that's relational. There's some broken relationships in your life. There's some, some internal wrestlings. There's some stuff going on up here that just, right? You know that's not, that's not God's best for you. God wants you to hear today. He knows. And he loves you. And he just wants you to bring it to him. Say, Jesus, you're my source. I've been looking everywhere. I've been looking to changing the way I eat or exercise or the places I hang out or tried new friends and changed my job and whatever if, if someone in this room has done all of those things I'm, I'm not I'm not zeroing in on you I'm just like I've tried all these stuff but I'm still anxious I'm still a mess I'm still broken I'm still I'm still whatever Jesus wants you to hear today he knows and he loves you And he says, just come to me and I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Let me have control of your restoration. Right when, like this. Anyone ever run across an injured animal? They get a little frantic, right? Just hide in a corner, and even though you're coming to help, they're snapping and biting. That's because it's taking its own health into its own hands. Like it's assuming that Jesus says, Whoa, just come to me. Place it in my hands. Breathe. I'm for you, not against you. This may take a while. might not use the means that you want me to use but trust me I'm for you not against you and this morning I just want us to hear that my entire life the times I was like a messed up little boy in my head where I was frantically staying awake at night and trying to figure my life out or all these kinds of things. I always, every time I just stopped and said, what am I, what are you doing, Steve? You're God's. And I just, Lord, I leave it in your hands. Like, help me to leave it in your hands. I know you got me. 
always came through. I always felt myself being restored and healing. He never failed me. And he wants you to know that today. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we know as as just people, every one of us has an area of brokenness. Every one of us has an area that we really need to invite you into. Whether that be physical, spiritual, relational, emotional, even intellectual. We recognize today that you are our source of healing. You set the standard, you created us, and you're calling us back to that. Lord, some of us today just need a divine touch. Some of us, Lord, today need to know where we've steered off and we just need to begin a path of obedience. Some of us, Lord, need friends, people who love us to walk alongside us. But in any of those cases, Lord, we pray and our focus is on you. Lord, would you heal us this morning and and church, wherever your area of healing you need, just, just in your mind, say, yes, Lord, I need you to heal me here. Lord, we know that when our relationship with you is right and restored from that health, so much more emanates from that. Our family health, our relational health, our emotional well-being, all of these things. And so this morning, Lord, we invite you into our mess. And we ask you, Lord, would you heal us? Would you touch that area of our life? Lord, help us not to try to heal ourselves and help us to not just accept the standard with where we're at and say, this is all it's going to be. This is as good as it's going to get. Speak to our hearts, Lord, that you are with us, that you love us, that you are for us, and that if we will trust you, you will lead us into what's good and healthy and sound. Church, they're going to close in a song. Feel free. If God's touching you this morning, don't, don't run off. These are special moments. Um, if, if, if you need to, to go or, or, or you don't need, just stand and sing in the song together. Or if you have to go, we'll see you later. God bless. You hold my